And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, and today we're going to talk with Phil Cook, a filmmaker media consultant, founder of Cook Pictures in Los Angeles, and Phil also has a PhD in theology. I'm an attorney and partner at the law firm of Malkin Baker in Chicago. We are believing attorneys that focus on the body of Messiah and its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration, and protecting religious freedom, particularly in the area of zoning. You can find out more about us by going to maukbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Phil Cook has produced media programming in more than 60 countries around the world, has created many influential and successful Christian and inspirational programs. His most recent book, co-written by, with Jonathan Bach, is The Way Back, how Christians blew their credibility, and how we can get it back. It challenges Jesus' followers to confront the real reasons our faith is losing influence in the culture. Phil, help us out. Welcome. (laughs) I don't know. I'm nervous talking to attorneys. You know, that always makes me a little uncomfortable. Yeah, we're we're taking notes, and this is being taped. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's good to know. Good to know. Phil, uh, you you start out your book with some challenging statements. One of them is modern Christianity in a a nutshell, colon, all talk, no action, big hat, no cattle. Can you expand on that? Sure. Well, I think everybody listening to this this program right now understands that Christianity is disappearing from the culture. I mean, it's slowly being marginalized. You might remember that Bernie Sanders last year during the presidential election said that um, Christians aren't fit for public office because they're they're so mean, and. Um, Nobody pushed back. Very few media outlets pushed back at all. I mean, it's as if Christianity went through a phase where we were ignored in the culture. Today, we're pretty much openly ridiculed. And so um, my co-writer, Jonathan Bach, and I spent a lot of time wondering how that happened. Where did we get to this situation? And after a lot of discussion about it, we decided to look at some research about how Christians live our life, because obviously the way the culture looks at us is not the way we look at us. You know, we think of fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, kindness. But you go on the street there in Chicago or here in L.A. or some other city in America and ask people what they think of Christians, most are going to say phony, hypocritical, power-hungry, bigots. So there's a huge and, disconnect and sometimes out there. They're, sometimes they're right. Uh... Absolutely. Well, and modern. That's what we discovered. We went to the research. We started looking, went to the four biggest researchers in America to see how Christians are living their life today. And what we discovered was the people who show up in church, the most serious, the the statistics are horrifying. I'll give you a couple of quick examples. A Bible reading. We discovered that 40% of church-going Christians in America read the Bible once a month, rarely or never. 
Now think about that, almost half the church-going, the serious Christians in America, rarely ever pick up the Bible. Uh, we found out 63% think prayer is important, and we thought, well, that's good, until we realized the flip side means 37%, more than a third of church-going Christians in America, don't believe prayer is important. And, and church attendance, I mean, the bar's so low now, if you show up just, um, you know, 19 times a year, you're considered a regular. Now, you know, pastors actually appreciate the fact that you, you show up at least 19 times a year, three out of eight Sundays. Oh, okay, so, well, we see, the, we see these problems, and, and yeah. uh, we're going to get to some of, uh, some of the solutions, but is this struggle for credibility, uh, how we lost our credibility and, and way to get it back, isn't that just another way of saying, our influence? How do we get our influence back? And, and yet your book uh, wrestles with the difference between influence and, and credibility. And I think a lot of our listeners are confused. We don't want to be triumphalistic, uh, but we want to be relevant. And uh, can you explain the difference between having credibility well, and having influence? Great question. And if you study the life of Christ, you realize he didn't really spend a lot of time influencing anybody or trying to or making it an overt thing. He spent time being an example. He lived the life that God really called him to live, that he was put here to live. The apostles were the same way. And I think what we, what we came to the conclusion of, we're trying so hard to influence the culture, but we're not really living the life God's called us to live. And we're never going to influence anybody, I mean, until we become an example, until we start living a life. Rodney Stark, sociologist at Baylor University, said the single biggest reason people convert is because they want to be like those people. I want to be like those people. That's why I want to convert. I mean, obviously, God can show up and convict people and have a powerful moment, but in most cases, people want to become Christians, they want to become Jews, they want to become Muslim or whatever, because they want to be like that group. But the truth is, if we're not living the life God's called us to live, who in the world would want to be like us? We're really not much different from anyone else in the culture today. Uh, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk, the law firm at Malk and Baker. And we're speaking with Phil Cook about how to effectively engage the culture th through Christian media. And Phil, you're saying through changed lifestyles. And in parts of the book, you suggest radical changes. Uh, what, yeah. what radical changes do we need as believers? Well, I think people want to see us live the life we're really called to live. I think that, you know, for instance, one of the biggest hot-button issues I'm sure you deal with as an attorney out there, one of the biggest hot-button issues in our culture is built around sexuality, gender, and family. And one of the things we suggest is, what if we became the one group of people in America that really took marriage and family seriously? If you look at the statistics, divorce, it's not that much better in the Christian community than it is in the secular community. Our families are still broken, just like they are in the secular world. What if we decided we're going to be such spectacular families and such, such great marriage partners, the rest of the world thinks, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. that that's, that would be quite, that's quite aspirational. Phil, but <laughs> how, how, how does, how, how does our, our listeners say, okay, uh, I agree with Phil, we should all change. I'm going to keep my marriage together and I'm going to uh, make sacrifices. But translating from this ideal to uh, practice, what are, what are the steps for everybody to uh, change their attitude about marriage? Are there, are, are there progressions or is it just uh, make this absolutely. big leap? 
In the book, The Way Back, one of the things we looked at was the early church, and because we wanted to find when was the church as a whole. Certainly, many people listening to this program right now are living the life God called us to live. But what we discovered is the research indicates so many people today, so many Christians today are, are dropping the ball, that the culture looks at us as a whole and thinks, oh, if you're like that, you're just a phony, you're totally a hypocrite. So what we discovered was that we had to go back to the early church, the first generation of Christians, to find a generation that was really impacting culture in a huge way. And we found out what they did. They did it by service. You know, they weren't talking about it. They Remember, they were persecuted. They were hunted down. They couldn't boycott. They couldn't complain. They couldn't get involved in politics, but they could act. And we discovered that them acting in areas like infanticide and in areas that, like the, the plague, when the plague would hit, they would do things that just astonished the Romans. And that's when we discover now, looking back, we discover the culture started to shift because it forced those Romans to rethink who these Christians are and who is this God they serve. And we discovered that if we could get back to that mindset of service, of sacrifice, of reaching out to people, suddenly people would notice out there. We spend, I think, way too much time today boycotting, criticizing, being angry, being ugly, that people look at that and think, that's not what I want to be. And I think if we could go back to the yeah. early church, it would be amazing. That's, yeah, that that truly would be awesome. And, and many people do advocate the early church as an example uh, others advocate revival, and one yep. thing that we hear uh, preached in the churches around here uh, continually is is total commitment, and uh, we need to totally commit our lives. And that can be a little frustrating to people who say, "Gee, I, I totally committed uh, three times in the last year, and uh, I'm still <laughs> having yeah, I'm still having problems." How how do Great those point. how do those messages? Uh, work together because then people sure. fa fail and they try and then they say, oh, I'm just going to give up at least for another month and then I'll maybe I'll start again. Well, certainly we'd all love a revival in our culture. That'd be fantastic. But when we start depending on the revival, that means we're waiting for something to happen. If God brings a revival, awesome. I'm thrilled for it. But the truth is, you know, the way we're suggesting, we don't have to wait for anything. We could start right now with our neighbor. We discovered in writing the book that 85% of people in America don't know their neighbor's names. So you want to be a missionary? You want God to use you? Great. Go next door. Just start with someone in your office. Start with your next door neighbor. Start on your street. Um, we don't have to wait for a revival. I'm, I, I wish one would come, but we don't have to wait for revival. We don't have to wait for that service where we recommit our lives. We can start right at this moment by reaching out to people right across the street, and it could have a huge impact. Well, that's uh, that, that's of course great great advice. But people have tried that, uh, and they get shut down, and then uh, they they kind of give up. Uh, I mean, pastors are constantly saying you need to bring people to church. But it's not at church that the people get saved. It is. It is through the, through the neighborhood. That's is, right. Have we gotten so soft that we can't take rejection? And where does where does prayer come in? We're talking with Phil Cook, uh, author of The Way Back: How Christians Blew Their Credibility, Blew Our Credibility, and How We Get It Back. We'll be back in a minute.
Jesus. I'm John Mauck, and we're talking with Phil Cook uh, about Christian media and about his book that he's written with Jonathan Bach, The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Get It Back. And before the break, we were talking about Christians perhaps being soft, Christians being uh, discouraged. Uh, Phil, is some of our modern evangelism just too easy? You say accept Christ instead of telling people to count the cost and, and make a radical conversion and, and no, you're not ready to be saved. No, you're not ready to join the church. Or, or uh, have, we, have we become too accommodating? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, it's interesting, when the, that first generation of Christians, the early church, when they made a decision for Jesus, it was like signing their death warrant. They knew that they were lining up to be executed. They knew they were lining up to be killed. That was a life-and-death decision. Today, however, we've softened it so much. We, we, we don't, we're not even... We call it accepting Christ. I mean, how sweet and nice does that sound? It's, it, it's like whether we're debating whether or not to sign for a FedEx package. We, we, don't, <laughs> realize the, we, we don't realize the awesome responsibility and the, the cost of what it means to actually be a follower of Christ. And I think that's a big reason we're getting – we just don't have the courage to, act, to step out and act on our faith. And it's making a difference in, in, in how we impact well, the culture. We represent uh, many churches in our in our practice, Phil, and so I ob- observe a, a wide spectrum. But one of the churches mm. I admire most has a membership of only about two to three hundred people, but they have an average attendance of around twelve hundred because wow. they make it so difficult to be. If you want to be a member of this church, your commitment has to be across the board: evangelism attendance, uh, tithing, prayer. Uh, we, don't, we don't want no Nambies. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, you know what? We, we're so driven by numbers today. Pastors pretty much give up any standard of behavior, any standard of changed lives, any standard of church contribution just to get numbers. And I think that's a real loss because those people aren't really as committed as they need to be. Well, they, the, the answer, or I suppose the other side of that, and you could speak to, speak to this, is we need to get people in and get them to join the church. And then after they join the church and they work with other believers and they start attending some Bible classes and maybe hear uh, some good sermons go on a retreat, then the light will go on. And in fact, that's happened in many cases. So is it a question of one size fits all or are these other models uh, good or they're just not working? Yeah, I think different things work for different people. So I'm not anti any approach that might win somebody to the Lord and cause them to engage with a local church. However, what I do believe is if something truly life-transforming is going on in that church, people are going to want to come, they're going to want to get involved, they're going to want to plug in. What I find is most churches are simply surviving. Most churches really aren't preaching this incredibly life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as a result, why would anybody care? Why would anybody want to be involved? And, you know, a lot of churches today, we've lost this incredible transcendent experience. We've lost the spirits of the supernatural and the Holy Spirit. Well, it's no different than a trip to the mall or a trip to the movie theater. So I think, 
until we can recapture that transcendent experience of what it is to be a, a believer, that's not going to attract anybody in the world. I, I agree with you. Uh, and that's, that's what we need to wrestle with, those, those yeah. uh, movements of the Holy Spirit, uh, prayer, and transcendent experiences, and sacrifice, uh, oh, all yeah. of those together. But now you're a media person, and mm-hmm. one, of, one of the things that you and your co-author talk about is uh, being respected and having uh, credibility. But a lot of our battle seems to be about Christianity and making Christianity an attractive religion, a religion with credibility. Isn't it time, and answer this as a, as a media person, to sure. move past quote-unquote Christianity as what we're fighting for and help people focus on Jesus? Because when you talk about Christianity, there's all sorts of bad stuff done as Christianity, and sure. if we talk about Jesus. We're getting down to who the Savior is and the and and the and the bottom line. Well, I'll give you a great example. I live and work in Hollywood. We have a production company that works with pastors and Christian leaders and ministries and churches across the country, helping them get their story out there in a more significant way and helping get their message out in a big way. And uh, I also work with a lot of studios and television networks, and I've been in multiple meetings with Hollywood studio network heads, TV network heads. And at the end of the meeting, I'll all, and these are not even remote Christians, not even remotely Christian people, but at the end of the meeting, I'll often say, hey, would you mind if I prayed for you? Every single time they'll say, absolutely, I would love that. They're not, they're not, have no desire to be Christian, but boy, they love the idea that you would be willing to pray for them. What an awesome bridge. People are not that far away from becoming believers as we think they are. And so you're right. We get hung up on trying to, to, to I'll tell you one of the things that I think has hurt us a lot is dragging the church into politics. You know, the, the, Christianity should transcend politics. You know, absolutely get involved in politics. Vote. Run for office if you want to. Join a party. However, you know, we know that the Republicans and Democrats are about 50-50 in this country. So the minute we drag the church into being associated with one political party, we've just alienated half the country. How, how does well, that help the cause of Christ? We're having a good discussion with Phil Cook about his book, The Way Back, how Christians blew our credibility and how we get it back. Uh, he's written this with Jonathan Bach and from a from a media point of view. And Phil, uh, you're advocating that we not be involved in politics. Yet what we see from our lawyer vantage and, and defending civil liberties is the world is trying to take away the authority of the believers and the body of believers to minister to itself by encroaching on issues that were traditionally a part of faith, family issues, marriage, abortion. Uh, Increasingly, the society and the world is saying, church, stay out of this. Uh, this uh, This is political and you shouldn't be political. So how do how do believers navigate this confusing message? Uh, so many say, let's get out of politics and, and, and not be disrespected. And yet the politics are encroaching on everything we think and do and telling us uh, 
who we can be and can't be and who our children can be and can't be and how they can be educated. How, how do we find the right balance or the right path uh, from your point of view, Phil? Great question. And, and I, I never and I, I said, you know, we should be involved in politics. We should vote. We should run for office. We should try to change the laws. I just am very we should be very careful dragging the church into that. Now, it doesn't mean we can't def- defend issues like you're talking about with zoning issues. We've worked with a couple churches that were fighting zoning law and zoning issues in their community that we need to do that. We absolutely need to do that. But the minute we start saying that, um, you know, the, the church supports the Republican Party or the Democrat party we've just alienated half the country I know that young one of our great challenges in reaching young people today is they're pretty convinced that if you're not a Republican you can't be a Christian that doesn't help the cause of Christ so standing up for issues uh, the church should be issue oriented not political party oriented or political movement oriented because that's where we get into trouble yeah yeah we if we keep our priorities focused on Jesus and helping people, that's going to translate into politics, but if we do it the right way, showing our concern is for people. We're not against the Republican Party. We're not against the Democratic Party. We're pro-Jesus and pro-people, and that's an easy generalization to make, yeah. but it often translates through to sometimes uh, different policies. We've we've seen that allowing people freedom of choice. We've got a a big battle out there in California. We have the same one in Illinois saying anyone who has unwanted same-sex attractions is not allowed to get professional counseling. The counselors are prohibited from doing that. Now, that's a hot-button media issue. It's a Christian issue. Uh, But how can we make that a non-political issue? Well, it's it's a political issue. There's no question about it. But we don't have to make the church lead the charge in that thing. I think it's bigger than it's. You know, it's not just a Christian issue. It's a it's a freedom of choice issue. It's a human rights issue. It's a freedom of speech issue. Um, we sometimes forget all those things. Yeah, we sometimes forget all those things. So saying it's a church issue lessens its impact. It's bigger than that. There's a lot of issues involved in something like that. So yeah. I, um, I say focus on that, and they, how can they argue? Well, I actually had a, a, a great dinner conversation with some non-believing friends of mine recently, and, and they very quickly agreed, even though the brother of one of them was uh, uh, gay and married to another man. And uh, they were very much in favor of uh, homosexual rights. And then I said, but what about the rights of people who have unwanted attractions to get counseling? And without bringing Christianity or faith into it at all, they were absolutely in agreement. So I think the wow, lesson there see, is, great example. Is, yeah, is, is to look for common ground. Uh, if you have a legal need and want the perspective of local Christian attorneys, contact us at Malkin Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at malkbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. We've been talking with Phil Cook and, and discussing his book, The Way Back, How Christians Blew Our Credibility and How We Can Get It Back. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. I've had a great time. Don't have to save somebody.
Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 